Paul said, test yourself to see if you are in the faith, or do you not realize that Christ is within you? If not, you have failed the test. So what is the test of you being a son and daughter of God? Deep inside, it's the simple revelation of, do you realize that Christ is in you? Do you realize that you have him and he has you? If so, you pass the test. Now everything else is just practice and experience. We are those practicing walking in the truth. Hi, my name is Evan Herman, and I'm documenting my journey on becoming the best version of myself while learning how to be an entrepreneur and developing the successful habits that are necessary to get and keep me there. If you want to come alongside of me and make this journey together, we'll be listening and learning from some of the world's greatest mentors in the areas that matter most, faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. So join me on the Whole Person Podcast. Today, we have, again, Craig Westoff, who joined us back in December when we talked about how we create a picture-perfect image of ourselves and how not only is that idolatry, but also self-hatred. And back with us again, Craig Westoff. How are you, man? Good, dude. How are you? Doing great, man. Good to see you. It's good to see you. So, well, man, yet again, you know, just like last time, I saw a video that you made on Facebook and, you know, it meant something to me because it's mm. something that I'm, I'm working on and working through. And then you also gave some perspective about God in a way that having studied Hebrew and having studied other uh, biblical principles, you know, just something fresh and new that, that I haven't heard before. And I, and I wanted to bring you on. So thanks for, for joining me last second again. Yeah, this was another last minute journey. He just I know. called me and said, hey, and boom, it just happened again. So I'm happy about that. I know, you know, we we're just talking and you weren't going to be able to come on. And then all of a sudden someone else canceled and boom, here you are. That's it. <laughs> Well, man, I'm just going to let you start talking and let the audience figure it out as we go along. Okay. And this is about in reference to what I shared today? Correct. <clears throat> well, uh, I was talking about worry, anxiety, fear, panic, dread, paranoia, things, those emotional sensations we all can experience from time to time. And sometimes we're overwhelmed with that. What's interesting about those emotions is how often they're planted either in the future, in a moment that we haven't been in yet, <laughs> or rooted in the past, a moment we've already experienced. But what's interesting is the only moment we have is here and now. And so I asked this question to myself when I can remember, if I'm not too overwhelmed, I'd like to ask a question to help center me. And the question is this, Craig, when are you breathing? And the answer to that is always now. You and I are only and ever breathing now. And so take that idea and think, look, look at anxiety and worry and panic and dread this way. When we are engaged in those negative emotions and agreeing with them, allowing them to overwhelm us, it's like you and I are trying to breathe in the future. And that's impossible. You, you can't do that because you're not there. Or it's like we're trying to breathe in the past. Well, you've already done that. So 
the only time you and I can engage in true breathing and i.e. being alive is, is here and now. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that brings us to this beautiful truth about one of the Hebrew names of God. Do you want me to share that? Please. So one of the Hebrew names of God is Yahweh, but it's spelled with aspirated consonants. It's spelled Y-H-W-H. What's interesting about that is if you were to write those letters down on a piece of paper and tell someone, hey, why don't you pronounce that? They wouldn't be able to. You can't pronounce Y-H-W-H. But what's interesting is, and God is so smart, I think, <laughs> of course he is, but <clears throat> he's so brilliant in that you and I can actually pronounce Yahweh by breathing. And I don't know if you'll be able to hear this, but I'm going to breathe, literally breathe the name of Yahweh. Hopefully I won't hack because of my asthma here, but it goes something like this. I'm not using my teeth, my tongues, or my lips. I'm just breathing my tongue a little bit inside to do the fluctuation. But in that moment when I'm stressed out, the invitation for you and me is to breathe. And literally, when you are breathing, whether you realize it or not, that in and of itself, dude, is an act of worship to God. It's a centering experience. That's why meditation and breathing exercises are so popular. That's why someone will tell you, just breathe, just breathe. But it's wonderful to know at a deeper level, it's very profound in the eyes of God. When you are breathing, you are saying the name of Yahweh, which when you go a, a deeper study into those letters, it comes out as a verb, which means to be. So you are declaring the being of God and God is the God of the now. He is, of course, he's the beginning and the end, but he is our God here and now. And the only moment you and I have to be is now. And when we worry and, and, and uh, agree with anxiety and dread and panic, we're trying to be either in the future, which you can't be there yet, or you're trying to be in the past. Guess what? You've already been there. The only moment you and I have to literally be with the one, with the one who said, I am, I be, is God himself. And we can do that just by breathing, man. <laughs> it's so wonderful, and I love practicing that. And of course, that's always a key word. It's a practice. It's not about perfection, but we are those who are practicing truth, practicing righteousness. And so that's just a fun little question I like to invite people to, uh, to use when they're in a moment of worry, anxiety, or fear. You know, I absolutely love that message because... I've heard a lot about deep breathing exercises. I've done it multiple times in my life. I've done the meditation aspect and internally I get conflicted like, okay, is this new age or is this scriptural? You know, obviously in the Bible, it tells us to meditate on God's word day and night, yeah. but what, you know, outside of just God's word, what is meditation for Christians look like? And there's really no good reference point for that. And then when I look at meditation in the world, there seems to be, if you look at quantum physics, how things um, interact with deep breathing spiritually and trying to figure out the difference and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but also not allowing the new age teachings to enter that. And when you were talking about 
Yahweh as in the breath of God, the big God that we can pronounce it through deep breathing blew my mind and brought a greater understanding and revelation to the presence of God being an active in everything we do through through the breath that he has filled up our lungs, which, I mean, from the creation of time, God breathed life into man. God breathed being into man. And so when we breathe, we are essentially, what's the word? Something where it's exiting us. I, I can't think of the word. Exhale. Exhaling. Yeah. being in the presence and the name of God. Well, I, I, I love that, Evan. Here's the deal. Whose breath is it that you're breathing? It's not your own. You didn't create it. God is the one who breathed into Adam, as you said, and, I, and that chain reaction carries on. That's how I like to look at it. Mm-hmm. And in regards to new age, you know, meditation, when you look up that word in Hebrew, it means to meditate or it means to muse ponder, even murmur and mumble. That's meditation. And I used to be in New Age. And the idea is they're pulling off um, truths. And then what happens is then then they they twist them off into their own ideas. But meditation and breathing is God's idea. And we are spirit, soul, and body. We we can't forget that. And oftentimes it's easy. Some people will say, well, it's all spirit. Well, To be honest, no, it's not. It's all spirit, soul, and body, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Whole person podcast. (laughs) Bingo, where we we realize our, he who, I'm paraphrasing this, but it talks, talks about Jesus. He who calls you by name is trustworthy, and he will complete our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. If your body wasn't important to God, why is he going to give you a new one when it's all said and done? We could just be incorporeal spirits, but for some reason, he's actually going to give us a new body. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that Paul says we are waiting in eager expectation for in Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 5. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, meanwhile, meaning in this tension of the now and not yet, meanwhile, we groan. Mm -hmm. What are we groaning for? The redemption of our bodies as well as our souls and, and spirits. And so... This breathing thing is God's idea. And even physiologically, when you do deep breathing, it calms down the, uh, the uh, amygdala, that, that, that little almond thing in your brain. The, it's called amygdala hijack, the fight or flight. And so when we breathe, it also benefits uh, the, um, the vagus nerve that all humans have. That's God's idea. So even just the natural act of deep breathing has physical benefits. Believer or non-believer, that's irrelevant. Just deep breathing actually has positive benefits to your body, which then brings a calming effect. And then that can translate into our emotions and feelings and even how we think and address life. Right. So last time you were on, we were talking about the ideal version of yourself And I mean, there's a difference between having goals and growth versus creating a perfect image that you weren't created to be and trying to, in a sense, put so much energy, effort, and emotion into being someone that you're not. 
yeah. as well as we talked about peace. And I want to update you and maybe we can just even talk about this. So like in that last episode, we talked about everything that had gone through this summer between my son, we thought he had appendicitis, took him to the ER. It turns out it, it was gas lock and you can't really tell the difference. No. We had that ER visit. Then I hurt my knee and, you know, had to have surgery. Then my wife lost the child she was carrying. She went to the ER twice over that. We, my wife later on got in a car wreck. She was okay, but that was an expense because it was our fault. And then the one and only other vehicle that we had broke down to be no longer. And an orphan that we were sponsoring medically to have surgery died on the operating table. Oh, and get this, Craig, (laughs) a week and a half ago, I had an emergency appendectomy. For those of you who don't know, I had my appendix taken out. Evan, oh my God, dude. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Thanks. And what's funny through, you know, my mom, she she was the one driving me that morning, going to all the different doctors to get checked out because I didn't feel good. And then when she realized, you know, I was going to have to have an appendectomy, uh, she kind of started crying behind the curtain and I could hear her. And I just, that was kind of, humorous, but I get my mom's worry. But here's what was funny. I'd gone through a lot of crap this year before yeah. I read the appendectomy for my second surgery this year. And I don't know how routine, you know, it's done a lot. Um, fairly safe procedure for the most part. But I got to tell you, man, there was so much growth that happened between all that and having this surgery because. For, I mean, I was a little nervous, a little anxious just because it's surgery, I guess, but not to the amount that it was going through any of that prior mm. because I had already experienced a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulty. And then even after I got out of surgery and then Thanksgiving was like in four days, five days from when I had surgery, I was still cooking and helping around a little bit, couldn't lift anything. But then anxiety tried to grab hold why we had people at our house and essentially tried to cripple the holiday and the season and everything. And so what ended up happening is literally as soon as I felt like it literally, it literally felt, how can I put this? As, as soon as anxiety was striking, it felt as if the breath in my lungs was being taken out and I was getting ready to go into a panic mode. It, yeah. it literally felt like it was just stolen, like just wow. this weightedness on my chest. And so what I did instantly when I felt that and the breath leaving, the oxygen leaving, my, my fight or flight response was to just immediately take as big and as deep of a breath as I could. Just huh? <sighs> And for whatever reason, that helped and I didn't go into a panic or an anxiety attack. Um, but that amazes me because it was the, yep. it was the breathing, the, the panic to take the breath, the life out of me, which anxiety and panic is intended to do is to, to cripple us. And the very thing that you talked about subconsciously I did cause it's the only thing I knew to do without really knowing yep. its intended purpose. Yeah, your body knows, man. <laughs> it just blew me away. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you know, we don't, 
And we're really also talking about self-awareness. We, we by and large are not even aware, understandably so, that we're breathing. I mean, I take it for granted. Breath yeah. is like family to me, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm very thankful for the air in my lungs. But let's be real, Evan, we don't think much about our breathing. Right. And, and the truth is we are quite unaware of how shallow we are breathing. Uh, when we're, and that's why in the moment we can find ourselves all of a sudden taking a big breath because up, up to that moment, most likely there was some shallow breathing, constricted breathing. And so the invitation that we find, you know, I mean, we could go on and on. Those who are born of the spirit are like the wind. You know, a, another word for spirit is, is breath. There's a scripture that says those who are joined to the Lord is, are, those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. That word spirit can also mean breath. Those who are joined to the Lord are one breath. And so what God invites us to do is to breathe in unison with him. And oftentimes when we're anxious and nervous and panicking and filled with dread, what we're kind of doing, mystically speaking, is breathing on our own. And every time we try to breathe on our own, I don't know about you, but I become asphyxiated, asthmatic, and I, I become a shallow breather. But then Jesus says, no, 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 come back to me, breathe with me. He's like our breathing coach, Lamaze, whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden, we're breathing these unforced rhythms of grace because those who are joined to the Lord are one breath. And I want to learn <laughs> to a greater measure and a greater degree of how to breathe with Jesus and not without him. Mm. How do we do that? <laughs> well, like I said, one of my favorite words is always we practice, right? So now we're talking about, in certain respects, we're talking about uh, a discipline because we aren't that self-aware, right? That's why you have uh, various, that, the idea of meditating, deep breathing practices in various forms and from various religions are quite popular today. It's, it's a very popular topic and a very popular thing to practice, and that's the key, practice. So Thomas Keating, Father Thomas Keating, has something called centering prayer. And so my advice to anybody, you just said, how do we do that? We practice, and it takes intentionality. Um, what I like to do, I'll just give you my example. Every morning when I'm up between 5.30 and 6, I take 30 minutes of silence and breathing before the Lord. I'm not just doing it on my own. When I was in the New Age practice, I just did it on my own. I concentrated on my own energy and all that stuff. But now that I'm with the Lord, I do it with him. I'm before him. And I'm literally just practicing being quiet, being silent, and paying attention to my breathing. And all the distracting thoughts come in, all of those things, that's normal, that's natural. And so you have a word. Sorry, did you hear That's okay. He's, Evan's kids are popping in and out. So you have an anchoring word or phrase, you know, whether that anchoring word is Jesus or God, my all in all, or Holy Spirit, inflame me, whatever it is. It's, it's, a, it's a centering phrase, an anchoring phrase to draw you back to the present moment. And that's my advice is it takes practice. Uh, and the more you practice, uh, the more enjoyable the experience becomes. 
uh, and frankly, the easier it becomes. And I find, find now, I don't want to start my day, Evan, without being silent with my Jesus and, and breathing, because that act of breathing alone, when I come, I say this, Lord, I'm here. And the truth is, that's enough. Uh, just my presence in the presence of God is enough, because Scripture says even silence is praise to God. And so I can just come to God and say, Dad, I'm here. I have nothing to say at this point other than thank you for the gift of life. And I share it with you by breathing right now. And I'm going to relax in your presence. I'm going to practice breathing with you. And deep breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. As I said, it has physiological benefits that you'll be experiencing as well. But it's just this wonderful thing to practice. And yes, it can be irritating at times. There's interruptions thought life, all this stuff. Um, but we get to practice it. And that's the only way around it. You're not, you're not just going to dive in. It's going to be an intentional uh, thing that we practice. Just as Jesus, we read about him, often he withdrew to lonely places to pray. He was intentional about getting alone with God. And by and large, we Americans don't like two things, solitude and silence. <laughs> but guess what? God loves solitude and silence. He loves to visit us in the secret place. Mm. <laughs> I have a lot going on through my mind right now. Mm -hmm. For me, one of the most difficult things, I shouldn't say it's the most difficult thing, but one thing I struggle with is spending time in a devotion or reading my Bible. I used to be really, really good at it. And my Christianese wants to beat me up for not being consistent <coughs> or of a practicer yeah. like I used to be. And when I say my Christianese, I'm just meaning the, the ideology that I've allowed myself to have that this is what it means to be a good Christian. Yep. And the other aspect is that I feel it's almost fear-based to, to, to do it. It's because it's like, I don't want that to be a waste of time. And I feel like if I don't get some sort of big revelation, it just, I don't want to say it was a waste of time, but it was almost as like, it hurts. Right. If, no, hold, if, hold, I'm interrupting you. You just nailed it. And let's just call it what it is. We do think it's a waste of time, but, um, it's never a waste of time. If your child, let's say a, a, a toddler comes to uh, you, Evan, has that ever been a waste of time? It, it, it's, it never is a waste of time. And number two, we, um, oh, you said something that just, what was it? <clears throat> it really jumped in me. Waste of time. It hurts not getting that big revelation. Bingo. Thank you. So we come with expectations. Mm -hmm. And the goal in silence and solitude is not to get a big revelation. It's not to get anything. It's based out of the reality that you already have it. And that's Jesus. You already have his presence. Anything else is just a cherry. It's just, it's just cream on top. We're not after a big revelation. We're not after some sensory experience even. Although that's fun sometimes. 
But what are we after? We're after the reality that what I want, I already have, and I'm going to rest in that. And if that's the truth, which I believe it is, then you don't, that's the only revelation you need. I'll put it this way. <clears throat> Paul said, test yourself to see if you are in the faith, or do you not realize that Christ is within you? If not, you have failed the test. So what is the test of you being a son and daughter of God? Deep inside, it's the simple revelation of, do you realize that Christ is in you? Do you realize that you have him and he has you? If so, you pass the test. Now everything else is just practice and experience. We are those practicing walking in the truth. And so you nailed it. That's so important. Let's admit that we think it's a waste of time, but it's not. God the Father loves it when his kids, awkward and clumsy as we are, come to him <laughs> and say, Dad, I'm here. And then number two, we aren't going after some big, momentous experience. We are going, realizing, I already have all I need. And now I'm before God because what I think I need, I already have. What I want, I already have. It's Christ in me, my hope of glory. And then everything else stems from there. But that's the centering piece. That's the reality. Does that make sense? It does. <clears throat> and I'll put it this way, Evan. Because then we deal with unmet expectations. And then when unmet expectations have, then we, from there we have these vows and lies that we end up believing about ourselves or God or others. Then we make these false conclusions about God, self, or others. Then we start to blame. Then we start to get angry. And you can see the latter, how that goes. But if you realize my deepest expectation has already been met, matter of fact, Colossians 1, uh, 27 in the Passion Translation says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. <laughs> so it's already right there, Christ in you. And this is a practice. It's, not, it's, it's, uh, it's easier said than done sometimes. But I love the freedom of that. Now I can let go. God already knows what Evan wants. He already knows what I want. And yes, Jesus invites us to ask, seek, and knock. That's different prayer time. That's conversation. That's discourse with God. What we're talking about is silence and solitude, centering prayer. And that is simply based on the anchor that Christ is in you. And that actually is enough. And now I just get to be a son before the presence of God. So spiritual versus physical spiritually i have everything uh-huh. i i guess we can even move that into physically i have everything because of jesus is everything my physical world tells me i don't <clears throat> my past summer with everything that i just lined out for you tells me there's a lot of medical debt there's yep. a lot of other things that happened <clears throat> and you know, I didn't know what else to do, Craig. So I started changing some of my spiritual practices that I'll just be vulnerable. I stopped tithing because I just didn't know what else to do to help get my family out of a hole. Uh, because we just, I mean, it was a ship that felt like it was sinking. And well, so, I say good for you. Really? Oh, absolutely. Tithing. Now, this 
we could open up a can of worms here, but I'm just going to dive in real fast. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. There's a greater principle of giving. It's called giving as you've purposed in your heart, according to the Apostle Paul. And tithing, we, there's been this teaching that, you know, you pay off the Godfather who is God. And if you don't give him the tithe, you'll find a horse head in your bed and all this stuff. It's, it's just ridiculous. That's Old Testament covenant. We are in New Testament. So now there's a greater principle of giving and it's giving out of relationship. It's giving as you purposed in your heart, which is a much bigger risk because now God can ask for all at any time, even though he owns it all anyway. And if you're really talking about tithing, uh, according to the Old Testament Jewish tradition, sometimes there would, uh, based on what year, you would tithe over 30% of your income in, a, in, a, in a, an agricultural and agrarian uh, culture. And so it was way, at certain times, way more than 10%. And so even people who say they tithe, they still really aren't even fully functioning in that Old Testament command. But you're in New Testament. Now we give as we have purposed in our heart because God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not saying don't tithe, but what I'm saying is uh, we give from our heart. It's now based on relationship, where before it was just based on law. It's a totally different thing. So what you're doing is actually being a good husband, taking care of your family, which is what God told you to do. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and so there's seas and there's seasons too. Well, and, and that's the, that's the thing that I felt like God was challenging me personally on when it came to tithe, because man, I'm 31, about to be 32 and I've given, I've never not been a tither or a giver. Even even in under the most extreme circumstances up until this year, because I just I didn't know what else to do, because it seems like we weren't making very much headway, and I was you know still still had my auto loan, which you know I don't believe in debt, but I took out debt because I didn't feel like I had another option. I had student loan debt and all the stuff. You know, it's like, God, I've been faithful. And, you know, it's, it's funny because after this year, I really looked at myself. I was like, I've been tithing my entire life. And it didn't prevent any of this crap from happening. And see, Not that's, that's, the, that's the spirit of religion. That's a religious mindset right there. And that's what so many people think. If I do this, this will happen. There's your unmet expectation right there. And it's because it's based on a faulty principle. Right. Well, and to even take it one step further, like my mindset was I, there's this idea that if you tithe, God's going to give you 100%. I never bought into that, but I, but I did tithe out of fear. Yep. And, and yep. that's what God, I felt like has challenged me on. And what's crazy, Craig, September we made, well, I shouldn't say we, I made the decision and I asked my wife to participate and she said, yes, that all the money that we would put towards tithe that we're putting towards debt reduction and savings. And Craig, guess what? We paid off my car. We paid $3,000 off my student loan. So now I have a <laughs> five grand left. And, and we just bought a car cash for our second vehicle because we didn't have one. And God bless us drastically because we got a fifteen, sixteen thousand dollar car for about eleven thousand dollars. I'm not kidding. As soon as I stopped tithing, it's like our financial situation changed. It's because you were tithing under, uh, un frankly, under 
with the wrong motive. It, it was completely religious and there's no life in that. That's dead. It's completely dead. And it's funny, we forget, we, we sometimes think, you know, providing for my family doesn't count. It has to be people outside the family. It has to be, that's ridiculous. I've got three, I've got two sons, they're men now, but, uh, and a wife, and I promise to provide for them. So when I buy them things, when I pay for their bills and stuff, that's, is that not giving? Is that, it, it's all, I'm giving to people. And it first starts with our family. And there's a scripture that says, if you do not, uh, a husband who does not provide for his family has forsaken the faith. And so I, I'm excited at your revelation. That what, what we're talking about, God is relational. Grace and truth are realized in Christ. And when it comes, this is a whole different topic we've stumbled upon, but when it comes to this giving thing, God loves a cheerful giver and we give as we have purposed in our hearts. And here's the thing about tithing. There's so much I could say about this, but it's also not even an equal practice. It's not fair. You can have a millionaire tithing versus someone who's uh, subsisting, who's, who's practically getting by tithing. Who's going to feel it more? I mean, the, the person who's struggling just to feed their kids. A millionaire who ties, that's nothing based on what it's all relative, right? But if you if that millionaire and that person in need give as they have purposed in their heart, then it's a whole different ballgame. God could ask that millionaire, hey, I want you to give 30% this time. And he could tell that that person who's in desperate need, I just want you to take care of your family, feed your family. And Paul, who was well known and well versed with the law. As, to, as far as this blessing thing, he said, I've learned the secret of having much and, and having little. He, he, he knew what it was to prosper, but he also knew what it was to be completely destitute and without. And he said, there's a secret to both circumstances, a secret to both situations. And he said, that secret is Christ in me. Mm, which goes back to the breathing. Exactly. And here's the deal we associate. Here's another topic, this idea of blessing. I don't think God's blessing is, in a, especially in American Western Christianity, we associate it with things. Right. <clears throat> you know, I travel to the Middle East a lot, Beirut, Lebanon, Amman, Jordan, Irbid, Jordan, Damascus, Syria, back in the day when we could get in. Um, their idea of blessing is completely different. It's, it's what Jesus shared in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who. It's spiritual blessing. And yes, yes, there are some, some tangible, practical things that happen, but more so, it's a blessing of soul. It's a blessing of spirit and, and companionship with the spirit of Jesus. It's way more deep and mystical than oftentimes uh, we think it is. I'll never forget, I had a guy from Serbia just look at me straight in the eye and he said, you Americans think just because you have stuff, that's a blessing from God, don't you? And I said, you know, I think we do associate that. He said, you're wrong. He just said that right to my face. And I'm glad he said it. I'm not against stuff. I'm thankful for all the, the things that were provided for it in, in this country. Um, but there's a way deeper uh, understanding that I think we can apprehend uh, behind the meaning of being blessed and what does it mean to be blessed. <laughs> so that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> So how does, I guess you said it earlier, just practice consistency time doing it. That's it. You know, one of the things, we've known each other for, for years, and one of the things I've so admired 
about you is I'm trying to figure out the right word. Your your intellect or your ability to um work through think things and the revelations that come with it. How how do I go about I mean, I'm not wanting to be you, but have some of those same traits, those qualities of of insight and understanding and critical thinking because, you know, those are things that I desire. You know, when, when I watch your videos, I'm just like, wow, you know, how, how can I think like that? How can I challenge myself to think differently so that <laughs> – so that it forces me to challenge my own thoughts and opinions even more and have a greater understanding of who Jesus is? That's a big question. My first answer is I have no clue. My second answer is, so, my, my, and we kind of touched on this the last podcast, but I think it really bears repeating. I, I'm just all about quality over quantity. I'm not a theologian. I tried college three times. I was horrible at it. Um, all, I, all I know is when I'm reading the scriptures, I, liked, I like to do it with the Holy Spirit. I like to imagine he, he's with me, and I like to really picture his partnership with me. He's teaching me. And... And when something is highlighted, I, I'm reading a scripture and boom, you know, you know how you've read something and you're like, ooh, that's interesting. When that happens, I stop reading and I'm just on that. <laughs> and I can sometimes be on the same scripture for weeks. It's, I'm just locked in on that because that's what the Holy Spirit is highlighting. Now, sometimes we've been taught you got to keep reading. It's all about quantity. Read, 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 read. And so we can say, wow, I read I read the whole Bible. It's like, well, uh, cool. I mean, that's great. Way to go. And now tell me about it, right? And so what I found is even when Jesus said, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood, that word eat means to chew slowly. And I like the invitation that when we are studying and reading and doing our devotional times or whatever, chew slowly. Um, there's so much here, and we only know in part, according to the Apostle Paul. Okay, I got to pause you because you're not familiar with a podcast that I just recorded, okay. um, and it's going to come out before this one. I I tend to have issues with acid reflux. Yeah. And I went to see a naturopathic doctor, and they gave me a lot of great advice. One of them was not to drink water 30 minutes before, during, or after a meal. The other one was to chew slow so uh -huh. that the food in my mouth would almost become a liquid. Therefore, it would become more easily digestible, and I wouldn't get heartburn. There you go, dude. I, lo I love that. I, I, God uses the... the the practical to reveal uh, the supernatural, you know? And I love that. And so <clears throat> I think the invitation for us is, is there's so much to learn about the Lord. We only know in part, we're only gonna fully know when he appears. And sometimes I think we've associated this idea of just head knowledge, you know? I'll put it this way, the Pharisees had the head knowledge. They had their Bible, the Torah, completely memorized. And then what did Jesus say? 
to them. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. What a slam. I mean, that's freaky to me. And they had the whole thing memorized. That was the goal. And Jesus says, in layman's terms, all that you've read, you know nothing. You don't have a clue. And so sometimes we can have that, uh, that idea of just gaining knowledge, knowledge. I just want to load it up. And, and everyone has, on a practical side, everyone has different abilities and, and uh, rather capabilities, learning abilities, and so forth. So my advice, and I think it can work for anybody, uh, is just choose slowly and invite. I think we can forget that when we're studying, when we're embracing the scripture, when we're in our devotion, whatever you want to call it, I think sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes I forget the Holy Spirit is there to actually help me. And I just take off running. And so what's helped me is to recall, wait, the Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, what's on your mind right now? And would you highlight it to me as I read scripture? And so that's, that's my, my answer, Evan, is I'm just after, <laughs> excuse me, I'm just after quantity. You know, it, it's like this. I told someone the other day, my Bible could just be one page that says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourself. I could plumb that scripture until the day I die. That, to me, it's like, I, I, I can't even fully unpack that. I struggle loving myself sometimes. How do I love my neighbor? God, I want to love you. What does it mean to love God? To love God is to long to do so. And on and on it goes. Just those two scriptures, the, the first command and the second, which is like it. That would be enough for me, right? And then there's all this other scripture. So I'm saying that to just emphasize the practice of quality over quantity. I don't think you can go wrong with that. And then on a very practical level, people just have different capabilities mentally. And some people have photographic memories and all that stuff, but I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. That'd be great. Well, I think too, our society is so instant. Oh yeah. You know, we can send a text and it'll be there in seconds. We have microwaves versus, well, I mean, we still have ovens, but we microwave everything nowadays. It's, everything's so processed, so quick, so easy. And there's this idea of life hacking to make things go faster, quicker, more efficient. And oh. sometimes we try to do that, I guess. Well, I know at least I do try to make my relationship with God quicker, faster, more efficient. Oh, sure. No, you're absolutely right. That's steeping or steeping. I liked how you used that word last time, steeping. In yeah. I'll, I'll put it this way. God is in no rush. He is in, we are in the process of transformation and we're going to have all of eternity for that. I don't think our transformation begins and ends here. I think it began here and we're going to continue. We're not going to be able to plumb the depths of the love of God, which is, should be exciting. This is going to be incredible when it's all said and done. And so he's not in a hurry for us to, to, to gain complete and full knowledge. I can say this, when Christ returns, according to, script, to scripture, where Paul says, you know, for now we see in a mirror dimly. He's saying, you know, we only know in part. We see imperfectly. He actually reveals that in one translation. But then he says, but then when the perfect comes, when Jesus appears, we will know him just as we have been fully known. And so 
that's the encouraging scripture to me is all that I want to know and that I struggle to know and that I think I should know, I'm going to eventually know. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, that knowledge will appear. That intimate knowledge will appear when Christ appears. And not only will we know him fully, but for the first time ever, we will know ourselves fully, mm. which will be a, because we don't know ourselves fully. Won't that be a rush? You, you'll, you'll be standing there before Jesus, Evan. You're like, Jesus, this is who you are? And he, he says, yes. And then you'll look at yourself and, and this is who I am? This is how you've always seen me? That'll be a rush. I think at that point, our subconsciousness will give away to full Christ consciousness. Mm. Awareness, man. Amen. Man, thank you so much for uh, popping on here today and... Um, <laughs> you know, dealing with the background noise of the, of the kiddos and everything. I, what a delight uh, talking to you and treasure our conversation was. I, I just love our conversations, man. I really appreciate Dude, it. I do too. I, I, I'm sorry for it. I think we, we probably went off about two or three rabbit trails there. So you probably have a couple of podcasts in that. Oh no, I'll just, this is all going to be it. one. Good, good. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave it all on one and, and all right. Call it good. Sounds good, Evan. All right, sir. Well, we'll talk to you soon and have a have an awesome Christmas. Hey, you too. Merry Christmas. See ya. God bless you, buddy. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you would, I'd greatly appreciate you subscribing as well as rating and even leaving us an objective review. It helps us with our ratings and spreading the message of the Whole Person Podcast. And now, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Take care and God bless.